welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. I'm really excited and uh, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Jonah. Um, It's a well-loved book. I've loved just uh, researching this and just digging into this book in the last while. And I really do feel that there's a message in this for us here this morning uh, that I think will be helpful for us. And so we're going to read the whole of chapter 1, Jonah chapter 1, and I'm going to ask you to follow uh, in your Bibles, or it'll be up on the screen, Jonah chapter 1 from verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed down for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own gods. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone down below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lots fell on Jonah. Surprise, surprise. And so they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all of this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And this terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. And the sea was getting rougher and rougher, and so they asked him, what should we do to, uh, to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. And then they cried to the Lord, O oh Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And at this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. And we can go on and read the story, and you obviously would know the story very well. But to me, the story of Jonah is a story of not, it's a story about a man, but ultimately it's a story about God. It's a story about our great God and how committed he is to the destiny, the future, the purpose that he has for our lives. It's a story that speaks about God's commitment to you and God's commitment to me. You know, it starts out in verse one, and God says, God says to Jonah, Jonah, I've got a purpose for you. I want you to go. I want you to go to the Ninevites. I want you to go to this great city of Nineveh. And I want you to go and preach 
the gospel. I don't know about you, but if I heard God speak audibly to me, like Jonah did, I'm not sure whether, I'm not, I don't know whether my response would have been Jonah's, but I think I would have been, I probably would have been a gibbering idiot on the floor. But God speaks clearly. He says, he says Jonah, I've got a purpose. I've got something that I've got for you to do that I'm not giving to anyone else. I'm giving it to you. This is your thing. This is the thing I've created you to do, Jonah. Jonah, what I want you to do is I want you to go, and I don't just want you to go anywhere. I want you to go to this place that I'm sending you to. And what I want you to go and do is to go and do this thing. Go and preach to them. I think, cool. God's got a purpose for me. God's clear, and he speaks this thing. But what we find out is that Jonah does the very thing that's the opposite of what God wants him to do. God says, I've got a purpose. I've got a plan. I've created you with a mission in mind. And yet Jonah ends up, it says, in the text, it says he ran away from God. He ran away. And I hope you understand that no matter whether you are a Christian or not, God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for your life. God has something that is uniquely yours that he's created you to do and to be. God has something, and it doesn't matter what your background may have been. You may feel disqualified. You may feel like you've blown it. You may feel like there's no ways that God can use me. I want to break that lie this morning. I want you to know and to understand that our great God, the King of the heaven and the earth, the one who created us and fashioned us in his image, he has a purpose for you. He has a unique purpose for you. He has a go message for you. He has a Nineveh for you to go to. And yet I feel, and what I understand is I've been in ministry for many years, that I find a lot of Jonas sitting in the church. They hear the message, they say, God's got a purpose for me, fantastic. I'll sign up for that. But when it comes down to the crunch of it, what are they doing? They're running the other way. God's got that unique calling for you. You know, when this uh, verse 3 says he ran away from the Lord, I'm kind of think, well, Jonah ran away from God when he should have been running to God. You know, sometimes it's as simple as that when it comes to our lives. That's so sometimes the simple questions we've got to ask. Who or what? Am I running to or running from? Yeah. You know, when I'm kind of feeling a bit crazy and stuff's not going too well, I've got to ask that question to myself. God, am I running to you? Am I running to your purpose? Or am I running from it? The cool thing about Jonah is that Jonah wasn't necessarily, he wasn't backsliding. He wasn't in a bad place. He wasn't sinning in, the ton, in a way that we would understand it. He wasn't carousing necessarily with the world and doing all kinds of stuff. This was a good guy. This is a good guy. He was a recognized prophet. He was loved by the people. He had a good ministry. And yet, he was running from God. You don't have to be outside the church to run from God. We can be sitting in the church and be running from God. We can be running from him as opposed to running to him. And he wants us to run to him. You know, it's interesting about Nineveh. Nineveh was an Assyrian city. 
It was a city of, of great influence as a commercial center in the region, and it was about 500 miles to the east of where Jonah was in Jerusalem, 500 miles. But what does Jonah do? Jonah says, I'm not going to go 500 miles to the east. He says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try and run four times further the other way. He's going to go to Tarshish, which was 2,000 miles the other way. Yeah, and it was as far in the known world as they would have known at that time. It was where modern day Spain is today. And so Jonah says, man, God, do you want me to go this way? He says, oh, I've got a great idea, God. I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to go this way. Four times further. Running as far away as he could from what God had called him to do, to go to Nineveh. It's, uh, it's fascinating to me because when I think about this and the mandate that God had called Jonah to, it wasn't necessarily the most attractive thing. It wasn't necessarily the most exciting thing that God had called him to do. Because the city that God had called him to go to was actually their enemy. It was the, they'd been fighting the Assyrians for many, many, many years. They were the sworn enemy. And God says, Jonah, I want you to go there and I want you to go preach to them. And he's kind of going, up. Ah. I really don't want to go there. And if you read the story, he has, has this debate with God, and he says, God, I kind of know what you're going to do. I know, God, I know your nature. I know what you're going to do. And you know what? I, I know I'm going to go there. I'm going to preach, and, and you're, going to, you're going to be gracious, and you're going to save these people. And, and he says, I know. What? God, why don't you just send someone else? I'm this great prophet. I've got this great reputation. And someone said it to me this way. He said, it's, 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 uh, it's a bit like... You know, uh, being a, a Crow supporter and going to Amy Stadium and going to the end of the ground where all the ports, power supporters are. And uh, we know how rough those guys are. Go the Crows. <laughs> and we kind of, you go in there and it's like you're standing before all the port power, uh, power people and you kind of say, Guys, I've just come to tell you that you're going to lose the, slow, the showdown. How well is that going to go down? We know it's not going to go down. And you know what? The Crows guys would be saying to the other guy, are you insane going there? What are you doing going across the other side and speaking to the Port Power guys? Come back here. It's a no-win situation. Jonah was in that same kind of predicament. He's saying it wasn't such an attractive thing. It wasn't such a great thing. I'm not sure whether I want to do that. And when you look at the story a little bit further, you find out that where he went, decided to go to, Tarshish, was actually a city that was, it was said, abounded in gold mines and silver mines. It was a city of great wealth. It was a city of opulence. It was a city of, of great commercial center, another one. And, and Jonah says, that sounds a lot more attractive to me. I want to go to that place. I want to go to that place where it's, it's, it's got all this stuff and wealth and all that kind of stuff. Yes, it looks awesome. I'm going to go there. And yet what we find out is that Jonah finds out is that you cannot outrun the purposes of God. You know what it says in the... Westminster Confession, which was a document that was put together by some of the great theologians and, uh, of the faith, and they just tried to articulate what was some of the fundamental tenets of the Christian faith. And one of the things that they said 
in there, which is a, we've heard it before, but I just want to remind you of it. But that what is the chief end of man? What's our chief purpose? Our chief end, according to that Westminster, Westminster Confession, is this. To glorify God and to enjoy, enjoy Him forever. You want to know why, why are you here? What's your purpose? Why has God got you on this earth? That's why. He wants you to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. Stop running from the purposes that God has for your life. Stop running. Stop trying to seek after what seems, seems like it's a, a wonderful thing, the gold, the silver, all that kind of stuff. God's Word says this clearly. He says, don't seek after earthly treasure. Seek after heavenly treasure. And God might want you to be a wealthy person who's going to sow into the kingdom, but it's always got to be kingdom first. And that's when the wealth is healthy, when it's kingdom first. And so it says in verse 3 that Jonah went down to Joppa. You know that whenever you run from the purposes of God, you only go one way, you go down. You don't go up. When you're running from what God has purposed for you to do, you cannot go up. You always go down. And he says he went to Joppa. And the word Joppa, the name of that town, literally means this, beauty. He went to that which seemed beautiful. He went to that which seemed attractive. He went to that, that in the eyes of man, it was, a, it was something that was desirable. And he said, that's the thing. I'm going to go down to what is beautiful. And it's amazing how today you see that over and over and over again. And in my own life, I often find that temptation. There's beautiful things. There's things that you look at and think, that's beautiful. But I know if I seek after the, just what is externally beautiful, I'm going down. I'm not going up. I know that if I just seek after that and I'm not actually seeking first and foremost after God's purpose for me, then, then, then I'm going down. You know, when we went to Canberra, you know what the common response from people was when we said we're going to Canberra? was this. Why are you going to Canberra? Why do you want to go there? Government city. Concrete. Who wants to go there? Why do you want to leave here? And I, I kind of get what people are saying. I get why people say that kind of thing. But let me tell you. That that was the call that God had for us, to go to that people. It's interesting now, the number plates of, of the ACT, they call Canberra the heart of the nation. Why are we in Canberra? Because it's the heart of the nation. And God has a plan, and he wants his government to be in that city. He doesn't want it just to be known as a city of natural government. He wants it to be a city that would also be known for the spiritual government that he wants to establish in that place. And God's mandate to us as a family was, guys, you've got some role to play in the unfolding of that. Now go and preach the gospel to those who are in Canberra. Would it be so much easier for us to have stayed? People loved us here. We had a great time, a great church. It's just churches going places, friends, and all those things, but for God. And now for you, it may not be going anywhere. It may be staying right here. But God's still got a go word for you right here. And he doesn't want you to just be fooled by what looks beautiful. He doesn't want you to be fooled by what looks attractive. Because there's many things out there that look very, very attractive. 
You know, the thing about I've learned about beauty out in the world is that it's very often only skin deep. Whereas the beauty that God speaks about is something that's far, far, far deeper. I want to say to young people today, don't be fooled by external beauty. External beauty is, is wonderful. It's great. I believe God has given us eyes to see and appreciate beauty. I believe that, that, uh, that there's, there's something wonderful in that. But let's not be fooled by thinking that's all that's required is external beauty. What is greater importance is the beauty that's actually on the inside. That God has, what has God purpose for that person? What has God purpose for you? And those are the kind of things. Who are you running to? Are you seeking after the beautiful? Or are you seeking after the beautiful one? Which one? It's a question I have to ask myself all the time. What am I seeking after? The beautiful or the beautiful one? I hope, I hope, I hope it's the beautiful one. And if it's not, I hope I've got friends around me that can actually say, Matt, you're seeking after the wrong thing. It's the beautiful one. Don't go down a Joppa. Go up. Go up to the mandate. Go up to Nineveh. It may not seem as beautiful at first on the outside, but let me assure you, it's far, 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 far more beautiful in the long run. And the thing about Nineveh, if you read the story, is that, is that he went to Nineveh and he said he preached the gospel in this place he didn't want to go to. It seemed utterly unattractive in every sense. And yet it says every single one of the Ninevites repented and turned their hearts to Jesus Christ. Every single one. Which was more beautiful? Joppa and Tarshish? Material wealth, gold, silver, beauty, or the fact that there were lives that were being transformed because someone said yes. I don't know about you, but I, it's the kind of stuff that just gets me. Say, God, why am I in this nation? Why am I in the city that I'm in? Because God says, Matt, it's about miracle that I'm going to do in the lives of others. He says, as you open up to me, as you pursue me, he says, I'm going to do miracles in the lives of others. It's interesting that in uh, verse, the second part of verse 3 of this text, it says that when he went down to Joppa, it says he, he got on a boat. And it actually says a little phrase, and I enjoy looking at some of the words, because it says he actually paid a fare. Do you know that there's always a price to pay? Whenever you run from the purposes of God. There's always a price that has to be paid. Don't believe the lie that says, hey, if I don't do what God wants and I don't pursue what God's got for me, then it's okay. It's almost like God's going to turn his, 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 his back to me or he won't look at me and I can kind of get away with what I want to get away with and just do what I want to do. The reality is there's always a price to pay. Always. If I look back in my life and I, the times when I've tried to outrun God, I've had to realize that there was a price. Thankfully, I learned that lesson quickly. And I've learned to actually say, hey, it's better to be obedient. Tony was saying it before the meeting, and the meeting we're having, he said, obedience is better than sacrifice. How true is that? There's a price to pay, always. But the cool thing about this story is this, is that even though there's a price to pay, what the story tells us, 
The life of Jonah tells us is that God is committed. Even though it was a price, even though, in a way, Jonah was kind of selling out in a way. God was committed. It says in verse 4, it says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Now, I don't want you to hear and think that every storm that comes in your life is because you're not pursuing God's purpose. The reality is, Jesus himself said, there, there will be trouble in this life. But he said this, but he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. And so if you're going through a difficult time and, and difficult things that you're facing, and there may be, you may be pursuing God's purposes for your life, but the reality is you're just going through stuff. But take heart, Jesus has overcome the world. He is your answer. He's your refuge. He's your hope. He's your healer. He's your deliverer. He's the one who goes ahead of you, and he's the one who breaks open the way where there seems to be no way. And so I, want to, I don't want you, if you're in that category, I don't want you to beat up on yourself and say there's something about me. I'm talking to about people out there who potentially, you're going through a storm. And maybe, just maybe, I want you to consider this possibility. That maybe that storm has something to do with the fact that you're not pursuing what God has called you to do. Just maybe. You can disagree with me. You can say, I don't think that's right. That's okay. I'm just saying, maybe just ask the question of yourself. What's the last thing God told me to do? What has God spoken over my life? What has he put in my heart? What, is, what, 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 has, he, what has he said to me? What dreams do I have? And then ask yourself the question, am I living that? Am I on that journey? Am I pursuing that? The cool thing is, I think God will sometimes use storms. He sent the wind that created the storm. And sometimes our lives are going crazy to the point that we feel like we're going to break up. It says the ship, it was so bad, the storm, it felt like it was actually going to break up. Sometimes we feel like we're going to break there was a time when we had just been to Canberra and we had just moved. We hadn't started planting the church yet. We'd been there a couple of months. I got a job, gone back into the workplace and, and it was a period of great adjustment for me in many respects. But I remember there came a time, it was in January and I think this had been the time that, I mean, I'm, I'm someone who's fairly upbeat and positive, but there was something that was coming against me that every day I was crying, I was in tears. My wife was thinking, what's the matter with him? She actually... Tony was one of the persons, uh, people that she phoned, and I didn't even know she was phoning him. She phoned Tony and said, Tony, please phone Matt. There's just something going on. And she phoned a couple of other friends. And, and, and you know what? They phoned, and it was, I'm so thankful for friends like that. But you know what? They couldn't fix it for me. They could stand with me in prayer. They could do things. But there was something else that God was doing. You know, it, I felt like, literally, I felt like stuff was going crazy. I think, am I losing it? What am I, am I sliding into depression? What's going on? I've never been like that in my life. Three days of hell. I remember one time, I just, I'm just before God, I, just, I think the only thing I can do, the only thing I can think of is just put on some worship music and just, just sing. Just sing. And I'm not a musician. I keep on telling the guys in the church. I keep on telling Nick I'm a closet rock star. Please let me into the band. They're still refusing. Like Tony, we're, we're, when are they going to see the light, mate? I don't know. Just, uh, we sound angelic to ourselves. But I remember being in that place and it was like in that place and just worshiping and God said to me, he said, Matt, who's going to build this? 
Who's going to do this? And I'm, God, you know, I'm, I'm feeling, and, uh, and he said, who's going to do this? Who's going to build this? And I'm fighting with God, and eventually I'm like, you know what? It's you. It's you. He says, that's right. So how about letting me help you, and let's do this thing together. And I'm just like, you know what? Sometimes the storms are there for a reason. Sometimes the storms are there because God sends them, because he wants us to learn something. He wants us to get on board. And you know what? I stand on the back of just over two years of having pioneered and planted this church, and I'm so appreciative and thankful for what God taught me back then. Because I can honestly say, it's God. <laughs> it's been God. And so he sent this violent storm, and, 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 and it says in verse 5, it says, each man called out to his God. Isn't that what happens when there's storms? We're all calling out to our gods. We all, we all got things in our lives that we're thinking, well, maybe that's going to be the answer. Maybe this thing will be the answer. And maybe that person and maybe that situation and maybe that different job will be the answer. We're all calling out to our own gods. But that didn't help. And then in verse 5, it says, this is what Jonah did. It says, Jonah lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Yeah, I, was, I was thinking, what was he doing? I think it was a sleep of denial. I think it was a sleep of just saying, man, I know this has got something to do with me. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to, I'm going to go to sleep. Hmm. <laughs> Sleeping. Is that the answer? And what's so cool is that, is that the captain of the ship gets it. He's not even saved and he gets what's going on. He joins the dots and he kind of goes, Jonah, what are you doing? He says, you need to get up, you need to wake up, you need to call out to your God because then hopefully God will intervene. You see, sometimes the young church get it more than we do. <laughs> what we need to do is simply this, is to wake up, get up, and call on our God. If you're spiritually sleeping, if you're someone that you know you've kind of been running away, you're living a good life, but you know, if you're honestly true with yourself, you kind of say, I know that I'm not living in the fullness of what God has for me and his purpose for me. And in fact, if I'm honest, I'm kind of running away from it. Please don't allow yourself to continue to spiritually sleep. Wake up, get up, and begin to call out to our God. Call out the name of Jesus. Jesus I've done it the wrong way. I've done it my way. I've been running from you. I want to repent and say, I'm sorry. And now I'm just calling out to you, God. Let it change. Because there's nothing more fulfilling and rewarding than when you're walking in the purpose and the calling that God has for your life. I know. Because <laughs> I'm living it. And yet I never would have chosen this for myself as an obvious profession. If you would have picked them out, I wouldn't have said pastor of a church. It would not have been the thing I would have chosen. Yet God chose. And the moment I began to actually stop fighting that and actually run to that, all of a sudden the whole, the discontent, the dissatisfaction, the stuff that was going on the inside dissipated. It's interesting that's in verse 10. It says that the sailors turned to Jonah and they asked him, and they said, Jonah, they asked him this question, Jonah, what have you done? Once again, 
The world gets it. What have you done, Jonah? You're running from God. Something is going on here. And then they turn on and they actually ask a a whole lot of other questions which we haven't got time to look at, but I want you to go away and think about these because they're great questions to ask. So they ask, what have you done? They ask this question, who is responsible? Which is a great question to ask ourselves at times. I can be moaning and whinging about what's going on in my life, but I need to ask this question, who's, who's responsible? Is it me? Is it my choice? What I've done? Is it me? You know what, 90% of the time, it's me. I've learned this in marriage. (laughs) I want to say to you guys who are out there, 90% of the time, yes, it is you. If you want to learn anything today, listen to that. It'll do you well. It's Matt's fault. (laughs) It's me. (laughs) Yeah, Matt said it, it's me. They asked the question, "What, what do you do? I love that question because they're asking the question, Jonah, what is it you do? What's your, what's, what's your calling? What have you been created to do? Jonah, what is it that you do? Jonah, you're a prophet. You're a prophet of God. Jonah, you need to remember what it is you do. Some of us have forgotten what it is we do. Some of us have forgotten what it is God has got for us to do. Then they go on to ask these three questions, which are, are great. Where did you come from? What is your country? And from what people are you? It's all speaking about, Jonah, have you forgotten your lineage? Have you forgotten where you've come from, that you're you're a Hebrew? You're you're part of the the, the loved tribe of God. Have you forgotten that, Jonah? Sometimes I think we do forget our lineage. And we know the great thing about the story is that Jonah then owns up and then kind of goes, you know what, it was me. And he owns up and it says, he has this great story, he says, throw me overboard, (laughs) And I don't know, I'd, I kind of like to think that Jonah was so, he thought it's, he's so far gone. He sort of blown it so much. So throw me on your board, I just deserve to die. Just take me now, Lord. I've, I've blown, I've messed up. I, okay, you're right. I run from you. And they throw him overboard. But God provides when we think there's no way. There's no way from coming back from what we've done. God provides a great fish. And some people look at that story and they say, but how can that be possible? And how, you know, is that, is that possible for a man to live in a fish? New Testament says it's a whale. Is it possible for that to happen, etc., etc.? And they try and disprove it. But you know, the reality is Jesus himself said Jonah was a, an example of the very thing that the Son of Man had to go to. Three days and three nights, as he was in the belly of a whale, he said, so will the Son of Man be. And even if you read the story of Jonah, you see them talking at one point. They said, how can we do this to an innocent man? Please don't let the blood of an innocent man be upon our shoulders when we throw him overboard. Sound familiar? Throws him overboard. And this incredible miracle takes place. And Jonah has an encounter, and I don't know if he, if, if he swallowed by the whale and he died or whether he was resurrected in the belly of the whale. I don't know what happened. That's one of those questions we're going to ask God when we get to heaven one day. How did Jonah get through that? I know it's a miracle, but just give me the inside story. Give me the scoop. Give me the new idea version. I want to know. And he does, and uh, he has this encounter, and he opens up, and it says the next time that God says to him, go and preach, he goes, And he preaches, and what happens? People get saved. And that's, you kind of think, what a great place to end the story. Right there, chapter 3, finished, done, great story. 
Hollywood, here we come. Then they put in chapter 4. They're going, what's the deal with chapter 4? Chapter 4, you find Jonah says he actually got angry and displeased with God. God does this incredible thing. He's been through this journey and he says he gets angry and displeased. God, I told you, I knew your character. I knew you were going to do this. I kind of, oh, I've been there. <laughs> Anyone else been there? God, I knew, I knew you were going to do this. Then we know the story with the vine. God makes a vine grow up and then sends a worm to destroy the vine and the sun's beating down and all this kind of stuff. And at the end of it all, God essentially just says this to Jonah. He says, Jonah, I want you to understand that when I call you and I've got a purpose for you, it's not about you. It's about them. It's about them. It's about them. It's not about your comfort. It's about them. Why are we in Canberra? It's about them. I love that city. Why? Because it's about them. (laughs) And God has chosen some people like us who at times we feel ill-equipped, at times we feel like, God, we we just don't know if we... But God says, Matt, it's about them. I believe today there's people here that are running from God. You're living a good life on the outside. You're running from God. And I believe this morning you can put the brakes on and you can turn it around. And God's going to provide a way out for you. Just when you think there's no way back, he's going to provide that way out. For some of you, there's going to be some people here who don't know Christ. You don't even know Jesus. When I talk about running, you're literally, you're going past Tarshish. (laughs) You're going right to the Americas. You're that far down. And God's word to you today. It's not too late. You can put the brakes on. I'm going to provide a way out because I've got a purpose for your life. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to hand over to Tom, but I just want to say we just appreciate you guys. Appreciate your support of us and ongoing prayers and, and uh, just, just thank you for that. I do want to express our appreciation for that because it is a... Never underestimate the value of your prayers. When you're out there on the front line, what you do counts. God bless you. It's great to see you. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.